Evidence and Answers. Evidence and Answers is a Christian apologetics ministry led by Dr. Pat Zucaran. Pat provides compelling messages from top apologetic scholars, defending the Christian worldview, and provides valuable resources for every person seeking answers to life's questions, as well as addressing key issues of our time. Serving to equip Christians who want to effectively engage their world for Christ is our focus. One of the most powerful evidences for the divine inspiration of the Bible is Bible prophecy. There are hundreds of events predicted in the Bible, made centuries before they take place. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucaran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, our host, Pat, will be sharing from his weekly YouTube show, Question of the Week, as he talks about some of these incredible prophecies and how other religious texts compare to the prophetic legacy of the Bible. Aloha, and welcome to another episode of Question of the Week, where we try to answer some of the most challenging questions that you present and also questions that seekers and skeptics present regarding the Christian faith. This is a uh, ministry brought to you by Evidence and Answers with our partners, the Honolulu Christian Church. So we were talking about the evidence for the inspiration of the Bible. The Bible claims to be the uniquely one and only divinely inspired Word of God. And we also mentioned that other books claim to have been divinely inspired as well. So how do we know the Bible is the unique and one and only inspired Word of God? Well, you've got to examine the lines of evidence. And as I stated, the Bible alone has unique supernatural confirmation of God. God confirms His message and messengers with miracles. And it is the Bible that is confirmed with miraculous confirmation. And we talked about several lines of evidence last week. Jesus' affirmation of the Bible. Jesus, the divine Son of God, affirms the authority of the Old and New Testament. We talked about the indestructibility of the Bible. We talked about the unity of the Bible despite the great diversity in its authorship. And we're going to go through three more now. Prophecy, archaeology, and science. But today we are just going to cover prophecy because there's so much in here and I'm just going to scratch the surface when it comes here to Bible prophecy. Now prophecy also is a very powerful evidence for the divine inspiration of the Bible. No book has the kind of prophetic legacy as the Bible. There are hundreds of people, places, and events prophesied in the Bible years, sometimes centuries, before these events and people even arise and take place. And the Bible makes hundreds of very accurate prophecies of these matters. As no other book, no other book has this kind of prophetic legacy. And this is what you would expect from a God who is eternal, a God who is beyond time, a God who sees the past, the present, and sees the future as clearly as he sees the present. That's why God can predict the future with 100% accuracy. Remember Deuteronomy chapter 18. A true prophet of God. What is the test? Well, that he can predict future events with 100% accuracy. That in all the details he states, he is 100% 
accurate. And that's the mark of a true prophet who is inspired of God. And that's what we see in the Bible. So that's the power of prophecy. In Isaiah chapter 42 through 48, God is declaring that he alone is God and there is no other God besides him. And one of the ways he demonstrates he alone is God is his record of prophecy. In Isaiah 42 verse 9 he states, See the former things have taken place and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Again, he states in Isaiah 46, he says, I am God, there is no other. I am God, there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. And in Isaiah 48, he says, I foretold the former things long ago. My mouth announced them and I made them known then suddenly I acted, and they came to pass. Isaiah chapter 48. So God declares that one of the evidences that he alone is God is his ability to prophesy future events with 100% accuracy. And J. Barton Payne, in his great book, The Encyclopedia of Bible Prophecy, records hundreds of biblical prophecies, most of which have come to pass. Now, the Bible is superior all right, to any other book and has a prophetic legacy like none other. It is remarkable in its accuracy. The Bible prophecy is superior and remarkable in its detail. People are named before birth, kingdoms described before existing, personal destinies laid out before people are even born. And Bible prophecy is superior in its amount. J. Barton Payne records over 700 prophecies made in the Bible, over 100 made of Christ. So we could spend all day here going through the remarkable prophecies of the Bible, but we'll just go through a few here of which time will allow. Well, one of the remarkable prophecies is found in Isaiah chapter 44 and 45, which names King Cyrus the Mede over 100 years before he is even born. The book of Isaiah is written about 700 BC. That is about a hundred years before Cyrus the Mede, the one who conquers Babylon there and establishes the worldwide Persian Empire. If you read that passage in Isaiah 44 and 45, it names Cyrus the Mede specifically and describes many aspects of his reign. Now Cyrus conquered the Babylonians in 539 BC as described in the book of Daniel. And in chapter 44 verse 28, Isaiah predicts that Cyrus's conquest will bring restoration and he will allow the Jews to return and rebuild their homeland there in Israel. Isaiah 44 28 says, It is I who says of Cyrus, He is my shepherd and he will perform all my desire. And he declares of Jerusalem, She will be built and of the temple, Your foundations will be laid. And so it is Isaiah 44 and 45 that predicts Cyrus will come and allow the Jews and many of the exiles to return and rebuild the city of Jerusalem and its temple, which indeed occurred. Remarkable prophecy made 100 to 150 years before Cyrus even is born. A remarkable prophecy there. Another famous one is Ezekiel chapter 26 made of the mighty fortress city of Tyre. 
Tyre, as you know, is located in modern southern Lebanon today. And the ancient city of Tyre, you need to understand, is made of two parts here. You have the mainland city of Tyre on the coast and the island city of Tyre, which is about 600 yards off the coast. Now, the prophecy of Ezekiel 26 was made in about 587 BC. And a few years later, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came and lay siege to the city of Tyre and destroyed the city of Tyre and just leveled it to the ground as predicted in Ezekiel 26. So the people get in the boats and they go to the island city of Tyre, which becomes a powerful island fortress for a few centuries. Archaeologists have discovered that the island was surrounded by a huge wall about 150 feet high and about 25 feet thick all right just an impenetrable fortress there well about 200 years later in 333 bc alexander the great is sweeping down to the south and he comes upon the island city of tyre and he orders the people to surrender to him and of course they laugh at him saying you don't have any boats or any navy how in the world you know are you going to capture us well, Alexander the Great being the great military genius that he is. And remember the prophecy of Ezekiel 26. He takes the rubble from the mainland city of Tyre and he throws it into the ocean to build a causeway, all right, to the island city of Tyre. That causeway is about, uh, Herodotus says, about 200 feet wide. So he builds a causeway, all right, and in seven months, the brilliant General Alexander the Great captures the island city of Tyre and levels it to the ground. And it never regained its prominence ever again. And when you go to the island city of Tyre today, remember the prophecy of Ezekiel. What do you see today? Well, it is a small fishing port village or small fishing port town. Really, that's what it is. And up on the bare rock where the mighty fortress city once stood, that's where fishermen come to lay their nets. In fact, you can go to Tyre today in southern Lebanon and you can cross Alexander's Causeway, all right? It's still there as a testimony to the truth of Bible prophecy. Things have come to pass as the Bible predicted. Now, what's the probability of that prophecy coming just by chance? I mean, the mathematical probabilities are tremendous, you know, absolutely incredible. Another one is Jeremiah chapter 31. This is made of the nation of Israel after they have been captured and taken captive to the city of Babylon. Jeremiah 31 verses 35 to 36 says, Thus says the Lord who gives the sun for light by day and the fixed order of moon and stars for light by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. If this fixed order departs from me, declares the Lord, then shall the offspring of Israel cease from being a nation before me forever. Well, remember, Jerusalem and Israel has just been conquered by the Babylonians and the people have been deported to Babylon, right? Now, if you told the Babylonians who established one of the greatest empires in world history, if you told them this tiny nation of Israel will long outlive the Babylonian empire, they would have laughed. But Babylon is gone. Right? But Israel still remains. If you told that to the Greeks, right, they would have laughed. Okay? But the empire of Greece is gone. Israel still remains. If you told it to the Romans who destroyed the nation of Israel, demolished the city of Jerusalem, and scattered the Jews to foreign countries for nearly two millennia. If you told them this 
small little nation will long outlive the Roman Empire. They would have laughed, but Rome is gone and Israel still remains. They became a nation once again in 1948. Uh, incredible, pretty much a miraculous story of how these people scattered among 70 nations returned to become a nation again. Absolutely incredible, but fulfilling Bible prophecy. Maybe we'll go through one more here. Ezekiel 44, verses 1 through 3. It states that the eastern wall of Jerusalem, the eastern wall, shall remain shut till Christ returns. Now, this is one of the most magnificent gates in the wall of Jerusalem, the eastern gate. I believe it's also called the Golden Gate or the Magnificent Gate. It's one of the most beautiful gates back then. All right, it led directly right to the Temple Mount. Jesus probably went through this Temple Gate, this Eastern Gate, quite often. Well, if you look at the wall of Jerusalem today, if you look at that Eastern Wall, you will see, guess what? That Eastern Gate is sealed shut. Just as prophesied in Ezekiel 44, that Eastern Gate shall remain shut till the Messiah comes. It was sealed in the 16th century, I believe about 1513, by Sultan Suleiman the Great of the Turkish Empire. He was the governor of Jerusalem there, and he blocked the gate and he sealed it, not knowing that he was indeed fulfilling Bible prophecy. You know, when it comes to prophecies of the Messiah, there's over a hundred prophecies made in the Old Testament of the Messiah where he would be born, the exact city and place of his birth was named, his lineage from what tribe and specifically from what household, the household of David, the kind of ministry that and life he would have doing miracles and healing, his death and his resurrection were all prophesied hundreds of years before he even set foot upon the earth. You know, for example, Isaiah 53 I mean, that chapter alone has about a dozen prophecies of the Messiah. If that's all we had, that would be miraculous. But Isaiah talks and prophesies that he would be despised and rejected by men, that he would be pierced for our sins, that he would die for the sins of mankind, that he would remain silent before his accusers, that he would be assigned to the grave of the wicked and the rich, that he was sinless and that he would rise from the dead. I mean, those are some of the prophecies in Isaiah chapter 53, made centuries before Jesus even set foot upon the earth. Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27 is that miraculous prophecy made of the coming of Christ. The exact date of his crucifixion is predicted there, and he fulfills it. Okay, that famous prophecy of the 77s. If you work out the math, and you can go to our website at evidenceandanswers.org where we have explained it, but if you map out and mathematically lay out the prophecy of the 69 7s, you end up with the date on which Christ was crucified. It comes out to somewhere around late March or early April of about 33 AD. Incredible prophecy there. Well, how do other works compare? When you look at the Quran, there are very few prophecies, if any, all right? I don't consider any passages in the Quran to be prophetic. In fact, you've got a few failed prophecies there in the Quran. Well, what about Nostradamus? I think we talked about him last time. His prophecies don't have the clarity and the detail 
as the Bible does, right? Many of his prophecies are vague and really it's hard to discern the meaning. Even experts in Nostradamus have very difficult time discerning the meaning of his prophecies because they are so vague. You don't see prophecies in Nostradamus like you see in Isaiah 44, 45, where they name Cyrus the Great and the kind of things that he would do. What about a book like the Book of Mormon? Doesn't it predict Columbus and the fate of the Indians and the Revolutionary War? Isn't that miraculous prophecy? Mormons will try to point to that as miraculous prophecy, but look at the manuscript evidence. The oldest, oldest manuscript we have ever found of the Book of Mormon is 1827. And not only that, there are other failed prophecies in the Book of Mormon and a lot of historical and archaeological errors in the Book of Mormon. So when we do a show on Bible and archaeology or perhaps on Mormonism, we'll cover that in more detail. But you don't see a Mormon archaeology department, do you? In fact, when you open up your Book of Mormon, do you see any maps in there? Like in most of our Bibles, you will see maps of the cities and places that are named in the Bible. You don't find that in the Book of Mormon because the archaeology simply is not there. So there's no book that has the legacy of prophecy as the Bible. Now, here's a question that has come in here about prophecy and says, Pat, what about psychics? Haven't psychics predicted the future? Well, remember, when it comes to prophecy, a biblical prophet has to be 100% accurate, 100% accurate. He cannot be wrong because God sees the future perfectly. And so God cannot be wrong about the future. But when it comes to psychics, they're wrong about 90% of the time. One of the most famous studies was done many years ago in 1976, the People's Almanac. And they studied dozens of psychics and their predictions and found out 92% of their predictions were wrong. So really, even the psychics don't have the record of prophecy as the Bible does. Remember, Deuteronomy chapter 18, a biblical prophet has to be 100% accurate. Well, here's another question that most scholars, especially of the liberal side, reject Bible prophecy. Many of them state, such as the Isaiah and Ezekiel prophecies, were written at a later date. Why is it that these scholars would reject God's ability or the Bible's ability to predict future events? Well, if you remember our very first session, our very first episode talked about worldviews and the existence of God. If God exists, right, then miracles are possible. All right? In fact, they're more than possible. They're actual. The greatest one has already occurred. God created the universe out of nothing. So whatever created the universe is greater than time, right? Because Big Bang cosmologists and astrophysicists today agree that time, matter, and energy are all interconnected. You can't have one without the other. So whatever created time is greater than time. And what is a being greater than time? It's an eternal being. That would be God. So God can see the future as clearly as he sees the present. And if God exists, acts of God are possible. If there's a God who can act, we can have acts of God, miracles. Now, those who reject the possibility of Bible prophecy they're coming from what we would call a presupposition or predisposition that dismisses the possibility of miracles 
a priori, okay, before even looking at the evidence, they assume miracles are not possible. I've studied under many of these professors at the Christian university I went to, and they dismissed miracles a priori before even looking at the evidence. They dismissed the possibility of miracles. Therefore, prophecy was not possible. They dismissed it before even looking at the evidence. And so with that kind of worldview, then, with that kind of predisposition already in place, they will reject prophecy right away and reinterpret these passages as something else. One of the things that was so frustrating is to see when you study the evidence, though, and you look at the interpretation, many of the interpretations that they were taking, if you just use the basic rules of hermeneutics or interpretation, you could not interpret it in the way that many of these liberals were predicting, were teaching, okay? For example, the Isaiah 53 prophecy was dismissed. It could not be messianic. It had to be of something else. And so they often explained it as a nation of Israel. But when you study the Isaiah 53 prophecy, it does not fit the nation of Israel. Whoever this suffering servant is, he is righteous. He is sinless. And you cannot say that about the nation of Israel. They were guilty of idolatry and had to be disciplined over and over again. That's what led to the Babylonian exile, right? So it doesn't fit. Those who reject the possibility of prophecy reject it a priori because of their particular worldview. Another question here is that why would they reject Bible prophecy? You know, as I stated, it's their worldview bias here that comes out. And then when you look at prophecies like Daniel chapter 11 and 12, which talks about, you know, that's a remarkable prophetic chapter or chapters if you read it that predict the Greek Empire, not only Alexander the Great, who would conquer the Middle East swiftly, as you see in the prophecies of Daniel there, that goat in Daniel's prophetic dream, running across the Middle East with that one large horn, smashing into the ram, which is Persia, and killing the ram. And then that horn breaks suddenly, and four horns come out out of that. Talks about Alexander's swift conquest of the Middle East. I mean, he conquered from the Mediterranean all the way to the borders of India and up into parts of Afghanistan very quickly. And then he suddenly died. And after his death, his empire was divided amongst his four generals, just as the Bible stated. And then you talk about the other kings and what's going on in Egypt and the Seleucid Empire and the Ptolemies and the battles that go on between them and the rise of Antiochus Epiphanes, all predicted there in the book of Daniel, I believe, chapter 11 and 12, predicted with remarkable detail. And that's why critics are saying, gosh, how can anyone be that accurate hundreds of years in advance? Well, if you come from a worldview perspective of atheism, that miracles are not possible, that God does not exist, you would dismiss it automatically and look for alternative explanations. But if God exists and he is eternal, then he can see the future with 100% clarity and it would be no problem for God to predict with tremendous detail and accuracy events that would happen in the future. So when it comes to Bible prophecy, right, when it comes to the legacy of prophecy, 
there are hundreds of prophecies made in the Old and even New Testament that have come to pass in a remarkable way. There's no other book that has the prophetic legacy of the Bible, which is one of the evidences of its divine inspiration. Well, if you have any more questions or you want to do any more research on the topics we covered, I encourage you to go to our website there at evidenceandanswers.org and send your questions to me here at pat at evidenceandanswers.org. And we hope to try and address some of your questions at a future episode. So thanks for being here with us. We look forward to seeing you again here on another episode of Question of the Week. We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call locally in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. So for the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. And you may do so right there online. You'll also find we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. Evidence and Answers would like to thank one of our sponsors, the Honolulu Christian Church. If you don't have a home church and are looking for a great place to connect and grow in Christ, check out the Honolulu Christian Church. For service times, log on at honoluluchristian.org. That's honoluluchristian.org. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran.